You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and you're listening to Season 3, Episode 47. And man, what a whirlwind of a week it has been around the National Hockey League and specifically here in uh, Rangerstown. Uh, The trade deadline has come and uh, gone. The smoke has cleared and the Rangers get themselves a nice little haul on trade deadline day uh, in the form of Andrew Kopp from the Winnipeg Jets, Tyler Mott from the Vancouver Canucks and uh, Justin Braun from the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, And uh, let's say we can, although we've already spoken, it was an earlier move. Frank Petrano obviously was a technically an ad- addition for the trade deadline from Florida. And yeah, uh, the Chris Drury has set out to set up a new look Rangers for th- their run into the postseason. Um, but before we talk about that, oh, by the way, Andy here. Hey, what's going on? Uh, flying solo today for reasons that will be disclosed shortly. James will be back soon uh, with some news, but. For today, you just got me, but there's plenty to talk about, uh, plenty of interesting th- th- things to talk about, uh, and I'll provide enough uh, doom and gloom as James and I usually do, but also I'll you know sprinkle in the optimism when we're needed. So uh, yeah, we'll start with the trade line and then we'll move on to <laughs> the Rangers uh, looking schedule looking forward. But yeah, cr- busy day for most teams around the league. A lot of uh, nothing too shocking. I mean... I think everyone kind of knew Claude Giroux would be a Florida Panther by the time the trade deadline rolled around. Um, you know, I was, I think the only move that really shocked me was Raquel to the pens was something I didn't really have pegged, but, uh, Hey, listen, they're, they're kind, they're trying to extend their window as much as possible. And, a and a, a score like Raquel does actually help them. So, yeah, but as far as the Rangers go, uh, really happy with their haul. I mean, it really comes down to two things with the trade deadline. It's A, did your, does your GM address the glaring needs on your team? And B, uh, did he or, you know, did they absolutely, did they pay market value? They pay under market value. Did they pay over market value? Did they totally get fleeced or did they uh, pull, you know, pull it off without gutting their resources too much? Um, and so the answer to the first question is yes. I mean, I think you can uh, unequivocally say Chris Drury addressed a lot of the Rangers' 
uh, glaring needs. Uh, one was they needed a, and what Ranger fans have been clamoring for, for the, uh, probably since this drop of the puck early this season, a bona fide uh, middle six center to augment a pretty weak group down the middle. And they get that in the form of Andrew Kopp from the Winnipeg Jets, uh, running mates, former teammates with Jacob Truba, but also knows him. He's played with him at multiple uh, levels throughout their hockey upbringing. Um, and he, and that's, that also goes for uh, Tyler Mott uh, as well, apparently. But so, yeah, I mean, in Kopp, the Rangers get a versatile, can play center, he can play wing. Uh, defensive-minded, doesn't really cheat, plays the game the right way. He's always on the right side of the puck. Uh, set, you know, middle six center who really, or forward, I should say, who really, uh, he really separates himself in his ability to transition the puck. He's, you know, he's a good skater. He's not blazingly fast, but he just seems to have, uh, you know, last week, James and I were talking a lot about not only the ability to transport the puck with speed through the neutral zone, but also to hit the line with speed, but then be able to slow the game down. And Cop really seems to have that. And he's also excellent on faceoffs, uh, which kind of factored into uh, a goal against the Devils uh, last night, which we will talk about when we talk about that fiasco of a game. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Chris Drury ends up tra- you know, trading for Andrew Cop. Uh, basically, I believe the trade, uh, make sure my notes, Joe, I don't sound like an idiot here, but um, I believe the trade, you know, the Winnipeg trades Andrew Kopp and a uh, fifth round pick to the New York Rangers for a sixth round pick, uh, two conditional seconds in this upcoming draft and then next year's draft, and then Morgan Barron. So I want to talk about Barron first because I think a lot of Rangers fans were, um, I don't want to say they were too beat up over it, but I think there was some, it was a little bit of a bummer. You're happy to not give up any of your top flight prospects in, you know, in in a transaction like this. But I think there was a lot of hope that Morgan Barron would be the fourth, you know, bottom six center staple for this team for the next five or so seasons. And just from the drop, for whatever reason, it just, you know, he wasn't getting as a lot of, wasn't drawing into a lot of games. He, he really dominated the, well, dominates a strong word, but he really separated himself in the AHL where you saw that there was, yeah, that he was a player that was most likely going to make his way up to the NHL. But just, yeah, I don't know, just whatever it was, I, I thought the effort was there whenever he played, but, you know, I don't know if he, it's not like he knocked anyone's socks off, but you know, I, I guess a lot of it has to do with maybe his age. You know, coming out of college, he is a little bit older. I believe he's twenty three years old. He'll be twenty four next year. And I just, for whatever reason, it just seems like Gerard Gallant was never was never on the Morgan Barron hype train. Maybe uh, the, it seemed like the front office was at times, and just people around the Rangers organization. So, but in the end, you know. It's uh, you're only really giving up a guy who, like I said, his ceiling is maybe a third line center, maybe, and it's haven't really seen too many flashes of that considering the fact that he's in his early to mid twenties uh, and yeah, just you know, can I'm sure he can carve out a role as a real solid NHLer, um, you know, a role player, but 
yeah, just right now it's much kind of much ado about nothing. So, you know, you wish him the best and it's a shame that he won't factor into the Rangers lineup in the future. Oh, well, I guess never say never, but, um, yeah, I think what really comes down to is that I think most people were happy with the trade, uh, the conditions on both the second round picks. I think what, uh, there was the most, uh, di- division over, um, the condition being the 20, uh, the, the second round pick, um, for this year's draft, the condition is if the Rangers make the Eastern conference final and Andrew Cott plays 50% of the games leading up to that point becomes a first round pick for Winnipeg. Uh, you know, I mean, as far as that condition goes, I saw a lot of seen a lot of Rangers fans. Most I thought actually said, you know what? That's not, that's kind of was, this was a definitely a seller's deadline. And that was kind of the cost of doing business. And it's, they can live with it because if you're making the ECF, a, you made the ECF, which is great. Uh, B, your first round pick will then most likely be in the upper, you know, towards the tail end of the first round anyway. So then what, what does it matter if it's a, you know, a second or whatever? Uh, and yeah, and just like I said, it's just that means you've Andrew Kopp definitely fe- factored in a positive way to your team. Um, the second condition on that second pick for next year's draft is I believe Winnipeg gets to to select whatever is the lower of the second round pick, whether it's uh, the Rangers, I believe the whether their second is lower or the Rangers second, they get the chance to to swap. I believe so. So all in all, I mean, I think what most what I believe, and I think what most fans believe, is that I think this trade, if it'll be pretty steep, if the Rangers end up not being able to resign Cop and he's just a pure rental, and then he's out the door. You know, obviously. It will be obviously. I think the toughest pill will be swallowed if they somehow made the ECF. It becomes a first, and then he walks. The Rangers are unable to sign him. So then I could get it feeling like it was a little steep. But I mean, honestly, for the cost of doing business, they didn't deal Brennan Othman. They didn't deal Brett Barrar. They didn't deal Philip Heedle. They didn't deal Vitaly Kraftsov. They didn't deal Nils Lundqvist. They didn't deal Zach Jones. They didn't deal Morgan. Or me, they didn't deal more, but they didn't deal. Uh, you know, maybe Matthew Robertson fans wouldn't have missed as well but apparently Morgan Barron was the was the player so um yeah I mean I overall I was happy with it you know I didn't it, didn't, it wasn't I don't think there's any fleecing going on but it was uh yeah they Pristory successfully addressed that a you know targeted player that could really help this team um yeah addressed a position of need and didn't really sell off any of their prime assets to do so if he does want to do something let's say you you can't sign and resign Andrew Kopp they can he still has plenty of ammunition to go after a young hopefully you know talented uh, second line center in the offseason so that yeah that alone gives makes it a b plus in my book close to an a um Justin Braun from uh from the Flyers you know for a third round pick you know again Justin Braun on a Philadelphia team that's been a bit of a tire fire this year and has probably played you know, probably above his station playing at times on the first uh, pairing. He's done well as a pure shutdown guy. You're, you're not looking for him for offense. You're looking for him to play mostly shutdown hockey. And his biggest strength is being able to clear the front of the, well, and, and listen, I know we've heard this before that they're like, oh, you know, stay at home defenseman, you know, can cl- keep, keep front of the net clear. It's kind of a cliche. I get it. 
But the metrics do bear his defensive impacts do bear that out that he is a guy who can keep yeah can you know keep prevent chances from the slot. It's just it is what it is. He's got a good stick in those situations and he's good at boxing guys out and he's smart about how he does so you know you're not again you're not looking for him for much transition offense and you know making beautiful breakout passes but you know he can he can make a pass and and he actually made a few solid passes at least in the first uh period um of the devil game so yeah again a good depth add for uh the rangers obviously right now uh rangers fans are apoplectic because that most likely means Braden schneider will be sitting and then you're going to run a pairing of Justin Braun and uh, ne- Patrick Nemeth, which uh, you know on paper looks a little bit like two guys who can't really transition the puck well, but maybe play one plays good defensively and one maybe plays has struggled defensively for the Rangers this year in Patrick Nemeth um, and struggled continued to struggle against the Devils. But again, we'll get into that later. Uh, but yeah, listen, I think. Just as a depth addition for a third round pick, Justin Braun, again, uh, market value for the, you know, it was a seller's market. So third round pick, you know, obviously it's not a backbreaker of any sort, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. Um, Now moving on to, you know, one of my favorite additions of the deadline was Tyler Mott from Vancouver um, for a 2023 fourth round pick. I, this was a low-key, really good ad. I like this one. Mott uh, adds speed to the, this Rangers team that severely lacks it. He is yet another heart and soul guy, but unlike Kevin Rooney or Greg McKegg, this is a guy who actually has some good score-driving impact. You know, he's, listen, he's still, at the end of the day, he's, just a fourth liner or, or you know, I don't want to say just, but he's still just mostly a, a fourth line energy winger, but he is extremely deadly on the penalty kill. He's an extremely, um, because of his speed and just his tenaciousness into bringing the puck to the net. He is an excellent four checker. He uses his speed to back other teams off. And that was on display in that first period versus the devils. You just saw what an addition he can be for this Rangers club. And just that has, just yeah, had a bunch of AHL tweeners basically in their bottom, you know, throughout their bottom six. So, just just additions of a cop and Mott and for the forwards is just I, you can already see how it's going to make us just in terms of having guys slot into stronger positions is going to make such a difference. Um, yeah, so all like I said, and then obviously we've spoken about it on previous podcasts, but Frank Vitrano for a fourth round pick, see a lot seems like a. Not, you know, it's not highway robbery, but it's really shrewd move for the Panthers needed to shed salary. Vetrano maybe a little his contract a little rich for what his role was there, but ultimately the Rangers having a lot of cap space this year could afford it. So and it it, it his contract is up after the season. So ultimately, even if they don't resign him, you know, it's just you got him for the run. Uh I think re signing cop would be a priority over resigning a guy like Vitrano, but hey, you never know. We, we have to see how he quits himself for the Rangers in the, the coming month leading up to the postseason and then the playoffs themselves. So yeah, well, well there still remains to be seen with all these players. But like I said, the early returns for the first period looked pretty good. Um, in that Devils game, we only have a small sample size and, and half of that sample size needs to be uh, 
locked away in a room never to see the light of day. So like we'll talk about, but just uh, with getting that out of our heads, just philosophically, I think Chris Drury did an excellent job um, really targeting what this team needs, what their weaknesses were and addressing it without, you know, giving a paying a too high of a premium to do it. So I was very happy with the New York Rangers trade deadline. Obviously, you see some of the prices that were going for uh, players like Brandon Hagel and, um, uh, you know, Raquel and um, Art- even Arturi Lekkanen for Colorado. It's just, you know, teams that were really going for it because they feel it's they are not only are they in the conversation, they are favorites. And that's when you try to put yourself over the top and, and who cares how much you're paying. You're trying to get you know, make something that seems like you seem like a strong contender, almost like a, you know, as close to certainty as it can get. So yeah, the Rangers aren't quite that, but they do some shrewd moves and they still give themselves some room to load up, you know, as, uh, after they see how they acquit themselves for their, you know, their first run back into the postseason. you know, knock on wood, uh, for, yeah, for the summer. So, um, yeah, like I said, just a lot of stuff around the league, and I, you know, I, I think it was very. Fun. I mean, when James is back, we I want to address the chaos that's going on with the Evgeny Dadanov trade and that situation, but I'll keep this just this one strictly Rangers related. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So the Rangers have a successful trade deadline and all three players uh, it's revealed will suit up for the Rangers in their the next day against their crosstown rivals, New Jersey Devils. Uh, puck drops. Rangers absolutely dominate the first period. Um, they're just out skating the Devils, just out passing. And Lafreniere has a hell of a shift, um, takes the puck. You know, he's been shooting the puck a lot more and lo and behold, he's racking up points because of it, shoots the puck. Uh, and then from the, the chaos created from that puck that I, uh, Nico Dawes just kind of, you know, makes a, a low uh, pad save on it, just kind of spits out into in front of him. And then Kreider and his manager are there to try to uh, cash in. And, you know, Kreider is able to get it over to Zibanejad and they bury it. And the Rangers are on the board. Mika March continues. Um, Red hot and mostly done by good work from Lafreniere, Lafreniere, who seemed to be flying in that game early on. So, obviously, excellent start. Uh, while this is going on, I have band practice <laughs> at which was slated to start at eight. So I said, "Great, I can watch the first period," of which I do from seven to you know seven forty-five. 
before we're, we're going to walk, you know, it's on the TV, then we're going to walk into the practice room. So yeah, I'm, I think the Rangers got this in the bag. They score two goals. Adam Fox cashes in off of, uh, again, offensive zone faceoffs. Uh, there was a weird thing with the change. So, or I don't actually, I don't think so. I think Gerard Gallant smartly says we have an ozone draw here. I'm going to put my new addition, Andrew Coppin wins the faceoff clean, gets it over to Mika, you know, wins it clean. Mika takes it quickly, passes it to Fox. Seems like a little bit of a set play and Fox puts it on net. And boom, it's two nothing Rangers. And this is after the Rangers had to kill a penalty where Cop and Mott were doing their work. Cop already looks so good. The third line with Heedle. Heedle looks reinvigorated now that he actually has players that know where to be playing with him. You know, he's got Dryden Hunt, but he's also got Andrew Cop with him. So now instead of trying to play with two guys who might be a little all over the place, he's got Andrew Cop can help him. You know, he he can heels really excelled using his physical gifts in terms to you know just protect the puck and uh, drive to the net. But obviously, he struggles to slow the game down for himself. Well, Cop is perfectly good at that, and you kind of saw the returns and the dividends that was paying on the first. You know, a lot of chances and a lot of chaos around the net, a lot of holding onto the puck and just not letting letting the uh, the Devils get to it. And yeah, they were generating that third line for once was generating chances just based off of you know Hunt's all out skating and effort. Cops, smarts, and uh, ruggedness, and then Heedle's, uh, yeah, physical, you know, his foot speed and his uh, big body and that big, you know, Chuck Yager baby butt he's got. And then, yeah, they, they get to work. So, like I said, the early returns from that first period are good. So I say, they got this in the bag. I'll be checking the score throughout the night. I go into the practice room and we're playing songs. And every now and then I'm checking my phone and it just gets worse and worse from there. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I'm just like, I'm not watching this game. Um, I checked the final score after band practice and I'm horrified. So then I do watch the highlights and I, you know, I, I also watch a little bit of a replay and just kind of get a sense for what's going on. And apparently the Rangers stopped skating after I stopped watching. So I don't know if that I'm to blame for that, but or if just the schedule has caught up to them, them much like it seems to have caught up to teams like the hurricanes and Tampa a bit, but, uh, yeah, they apparently stopped skating and then you know, Jack Hughes and the Devils just did whatever they wanted and they got the result. And, you know, Igor, who's looked less than superhuman recently, uh, has a rough, uh, apparently rough go of it. And not like Georgiev did any better in relief, apparently, but just the team was clearly the team what comes down to the, when the team in front of you is not playing, clearly you're not going to be as mentally sharp as a goaltender. So I believe that's kind of what happened. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think Chris Kreider sums it up pretty nicely in the post game presser that, they played an excellent first. They fell asleep at the wheel. It's unacceptable. They have to learn from it and move on. Um, yeah, obviously, you check after moments like this, you kind of check the pulse of the online fan base. Uh, and obviously, everyone was really upset and really the sky is falling and that this team is a quick out in the playoffs and this and that. Um, listen, all I'll say to this is, one, any team in the National Hockey League on any night can beat any team. Uh, if you remember two weeks ago, the Devils did this exact thing to the Colorado Avalanche, who might be the best team in the league, put up an eight spot on them after Colorado, I think, had an early lead. So and then, I mean, I also believe the same thing happened to the uh, the Florida Panthers in Ottawa versus the Ottawa Senators, who are one of the worst teams in the league. So this can happen. It's hockey. It happens when the effort isn't there. So you don't have it some nights, you can be tired, you're just mentally, you can be overconfident, you can be mentally checked out. 
whatever. Uh, there's enough parity in this league that any team can murk you at any at any time and put up a put up an enormous amount of shots on you. Especially a team like the Devils that gets embarrassed in the first period. The season's not going the way they want. So their crosstown rivals are getting embarrassed, and then they say, you know, no, we're going to have our pushback, and the Rangers weren't ready for it, and this is the result you get. So, you know, listen, credit to the Devils for because they. You know, as much as it pains me as a Ranger fan, they have a lot of team speed and a lot of young team skill that'll only get better. So, uh, yeah, they're they're dangerous, and the Rangers, I think, thought after a, a first period where they just dominated and were bullying them, I think they just thought they had it in the bag, and they clearly didn't. And the result now is what it is. So, but listen, I'm again, like I said, you move on. I'm not as doom and gloom about it as everyone else. I don't think it's you know. Everyone's like, oh, well, Shesty hasn't been as good. Well, yeah, because he had, you know, he had a, a you know, he w- he played pretty much lights out games versus the, uh, the, the Herc, uh, excuse me, versus the Islanders in Tampa, losing one and winning the other. And both, you know, one was, uh, they're both basically, uh, you know, only giving up th- three goals in those two games. So, yeah, I just... I'm not concerned really about that. I don't, yeah, even if he's was obviously he was likely to regress to not be this in superhuman as he's been. Uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, I just think all in all, if you said, if you had told me how this road trip for the Rangers would play out, I'd probably say they would beat the Devils and lose to one of, if not both, uh, Tampa and the Hurricanes. So to beat Tampa, to beat Carolina, and then lose to the Devils. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. I don't know. It's just, again, I think it's that with the, the old adage, it's not about, you know, how hard you hit. And, or it's like if you get back up, it's about get. Yeah, I, I totally butchered this. I'm sorry. But yeah, it's, you know, it's more important about how do they respond to this? Do they get back up to their feet um, after a kind of embarrassing loss like this? So, which is good because they're going to need it against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are one of the best teams in the league and are rolling on firing all cylinders right now. So, yeah, they have no choice. They have to look forward. They have to downplay it. Um, the I guess the one area where I think there is cause for concern, and, and much has been made of it, is that strangely, uh, Gerard Gallant decides to, even though we have all these new forwards, shorten his bench, and Alexi Lafreniere, who, like I said, had a really strong first pyramid, uh, period. Uh, doesn't yeah he he gets essentially gets benched because they shorten they shorten the bench so I again didn't get to watch the game too in depth I don't know if that has to do with his effort on back checks or if they just Gallant didn't like how he was playing and uh, in the press post game Gallant says it was no just a decision I don't want, it was it was everyone it was I don't want to harp on Laffy Laffy or anything but you know you can he is the guy I don't know if it's a, that old school mentality that he's the young guy so he's the odd one out but and it's more of like a a fairness, I don't know, like the younger guys have to pay their dues and that it is what it is. But yeah, I just, the way he was going, I just don't think that was a wise decision. I think when you look at Jack Hughes and how uh, he's blossoming into a, a budding superstar, and especially last night with the two goals and just see the confidence he plays with, is that when he makes a mistake, he doesn't get uh, stapled to the bench. You know, he gets a lot to keep going. I mean, I look at a guy, a kid like Matt Barzell, who really, him and Barry Trotz have been at odds for the last few seasons. And Barzell is an excellent player, but he hasn't really been able to insert himself in that, that echelon, that next echelon of like superstar. You know what I mean? He's a star, but he's not able to get there because I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, he, at times he would get benched for not playing the right way and harped on. Whereas Hughes 
you know, win, lose, or draw, good plays, bad plays, he gets a long leash. I mean, but I and then, and I, I understand the situation is different. Like the Devils are not a contender, and the Rangers are contending to to try to win the Stanley Cup. So the yeah, the stakes are a little bit different. Where he, their development of Hughes to them is more important. With Lafreniere, they're trying to have and Kako, they're trying to have their stake and eat it too, and develop these guys, but also not give them free license to try to be creative and you know flesh your game out they're trying to almost yeah i guess uh they want them to just develop into the players they want overnight and i just think that's not a wise yeah i just think that's like a bit of a foolhardy decision i mean i think it's one of those things that you have to ask yourself philosophically would you rather the rangers not be maybe you you they have their warts and they make more boneheaded plays but you deal with them because in the long run, they'll be better players, which is better for the long-term outlook of this team. Or do they play more to the style you want them to play as coach? And maybe it helps your team in the short run, but it, it stunts maybe some of their potential offensive growth. And like I said, it's tough because the Rangers are gunning for a Stanley Cup right now. So, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I have obviously liked what I've seen from Lafreniere. He is coming along. It'll be nice if Capo Kako eventually gets back in the lineup, but now we're hearing not until April at the earliest. Will he start even skating with the team? So, you know, they've been hush hush. Everyone's seen the pictures of him with the wrist brace on. So clearly he messed his wrist up. We don't know if he had a surgery of some sort um, for how long it's been that would support if he had a break or whatever or whatever happened. But um, yeah, I mean, it just, it is what it is. You hope that Gallant will continue to just continue to uh or that the message being sent to Lafreniere is like look like you know this is if he does that he needs to be more transparent and listen I don't think Galan had a good night I mean obviously I like I love I think recently he's had a really good pulse on the team he's had some excellent well-timed timeouts on power plays to get rest his units you know obviously he feel puts the putting cop to take the offensive zone draw was a, a smart really smart move but yeah, I mean, not only just the Lafreniere bench and shortening your bench when you have all these new players who are trying to get up to speed, just the fact that, and going back to your vet players who have, you know, Ryan Strom, who continues to have a rough go of it this month, even though he, you know, he'll still put up points because he's Ryan Strom playing with Panarin. But, you know, there's no repercussions for him when he does takes dumb boneheaded penalties every game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you, you really want... Well, and like I said, the other thing, Gallant uh, not using a timeout just when the Devils, you know, score two quick goals or just to settle the team down. They really could have used it, and it just never came apparently. And you don't know if it's some weird mind games from him to let the team kind of marinate in it, knowing he's just I'm just going to chuck this one up as a loss, and this will be a better lesson for them to just get buried on. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably overthinking it, but. You know, it's just strange. It just seems like that would be a really appropriate time to do it. And, and again, this team can score. So I think the you know the final score was still seven four. So they still put up four goals on Nico Dawes, who's a rookie goaltender. But um, just yeah, just not not good enough. They stopped skating, and the coach didn't do a very good job with his bench management. And here we are, a lot of a lot of botched. You know, Panarin and and Fox had some botched passes and plays and forced plays and. Yeah, it just wasn't wasn't a, it wasn't a good night, you know, for a Devils team that had something to prove going to that second period and just came out flying and then got more confident as the Rangers started wilting and had no pushback. So, 
uh, yeah, it's a good test for them to show that. But again, like I said, this happened a scant two weeks ago to the Colorado Avalanche against the Devils. This happened to Florida against Ottawa. Uh, Arizona has put up big numbers on a bunch of teams just who, you know, who underestimate them. So this is the National Hockey League, and those teams, I think, will over- ultimately be fine, much like I think the Rangers will be fine. I think they're much closer to the team that played in the first period than they are in the, the team that played in, in the subsequent two. And again, they also are definitely t- tired from their schedule recently, so they have a nice day off today before they get back to it at home versus Pittsburgh tomorrow. So hopefully that'll help too, being able to sleep in their own beds and you know sleep in and not get up for travel. So um, yeah, I mean, there's so much to cover with this team. And you know, uh, luckily, after this last little road trip here, most of their, their games for the remainder of the stretch are going to be home games, which is good. Uh, and either home games or a short travel you know, uh, between whatever Long Island and the tri-state area. So, um, there's so much to talk about, like I said, but I'm going to wait until my faithful, uh, co-host James is back here on the podcast with us. Uh, but I do want to know what does everyone listening think of the Rangers additions? Um, do you think Andrew Kopp is a viable replacement for Ryan Strom? Do you think Tyler Mott is a player they should look into trying to keep around? Uh, you know, is Vetrano, do you try to resign him? You know, obviously there's not a lot of cap space to go around for the Rangers. So a lot of it's going to con- um, depend on what Chris Drury moves. He makes this summer, what players he lets walk or trade or what contracts he's able to award some to some of his, you know, upcoming U- uh, UFAs. And, but yeah, we want to, I want to hear James. And I want to hear your opinion. So just tweet at us at Broadway boys pod on Twitter. Uh, if there's a question you want addressed on the podcast, you know, send it our way. We'll do our best to address it. We'll give you a, a nice little shout out. And uh, yeah, it's getting down to crunch time. And obviously teams are gearing up to get in playoff mode. Again, I hopefully going forward, this team looks more like the team we saw in the first period than the subsequent periods. And I think they can be. And it's been, like I said, if that's any indication of what's to come, I mean, this team can do some good, you know, do some damage because they, they're looking uh at least when they have their legs and, and the will, they look like they are as disciplined and uh, skilled and yeah, just uh, deep a team as some of the other teams that are going to be, they're going to be meeting in the playoffs now. But uh, again, I think they're going through their first little, well, not their first, but yeah, they're going through a little adverse patch here with the schedule and just Shesty not being superhuman and they had some defensive lapses, uh, hopefully getting some practices with the whole group. They can come together to be better as a unit especially with some new faces um, and yeah, get this, get, get whatever is playing them sorted out because uh, yeah, this team, including the goaltender need to be firing on all cylinders down the stretch here uh, because once the playoff starts, you don't get any uh, do overs. So uh, yeah, but what a haul for the New York Rangers and Chris Drury. Uh, you know, just a, it's just a, it looks like a new team. And I think uh, Gallant summed it up nicely. He said with, with the new additions that, now there's even more internal competition for some of those spots, so it'll be interesting to see if some of the uh, displaced, you know, <laughs> New York Rangers can well, maybe they do find their way back into, up into the lineup, and maybe some surprising names drop out. Um, but yeah, he said it felt kind of like training camp again. Uh, yeah, so there's definitely a you know an energy and a buzz, but uh, if only they could get it to help you know propel them and you know when they're right now because they definitely need it because it seems like they're running out of gas. 
Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.